0: Irish society prior to 1922 and prior to the revolution, was it a sectarian
1: society? Well, the basis of British rule was through sectarian rule in the 19th century We saw the decline of the Church of Ireland as the established church. uh, It's lost its legal status as the established church in in 1869 and 1871. Prior to that, it had lost privileges. There was a tremendous fall-off in standards and simply in income among Church of Ireland clergy. We saw the loss of the power of the landlords between 1890 and 1909, 1917, but it was a very slow process. But the structural rule through the idea that Protestants should rule and the Catholic Catholics should not, uh, was still present in the context of the voting system being based on property rights, and Catholics are poorer than Protestants. Uh, Fergus Campbell has brought out in his recent book, The Irish Establishment, the fact that there were structural inequalities vis-à-vis Catholics and Protestants right up to and beyond 1916. I think that's something new because it's been part of the prevailing historical orthodoxy that somehow Catholics were achieving their rightful place within the British context prior to 1916. I think Campbell establishes that that's not the case.
0: You wrote about the lockout in Dublin in 1913. Could you explain what the city was like in 1913?
2: It's very stratified. You'll see that the big railway companies, say, like the Great Southern and Western Railway, were dominated. Sir William Golding and other members of the Anglo-Irish ruling class and in fact William Martin Murphy broke through that barrier and he became the first Catholic director of that company and then if you look down to sort of the light railways, like the one immortalised by Percy French the, the West Clare Railway all its directors are Catholics so there's a pecking order there and Dublin you would have had that as well too. it was the capital city it was also the city outside Belfast which had the largest Population of Protestants. If you take the county as well, there were over 90,000 Protestants in Dublin City and County at the time. So they are a very significant group. As I think I've indicated already, they were particularly significant at the top of society. The Protestant population in Dublin was a bit of an inverted pyramid, that it was the unskilled workers who were the smallest group within the Protestant community. In fact, the only lower-income group in Dublin where Protestants predominated was the British Army. D.P. Moran, a nationalist journalist at the time, used to joke that if you look at the census figures, you could tell if there was a sudden upsurge in in Presbyterians in Dublin, it meant there was a Scottish regiment in the city, and if it suddenly swung to the Methodist, meant they'd been replaced by a Welsh regiment. So if you leave the garrison out of it, most, most Protestants came from lower middle class to middle class backgrounds. They were represented proportionately in the higher professions like medicine, the law and so on. At the same time, there were anomalies in that. For example, among skilled workers, 42% of the skilled workers in the Inchicore railway works were Protestant. Reflecting partly traditional skills, but also, in fact, beyond the development of Ireland, because when the railways were built here, a lot of the skilled workers who had to build them, not the navvies now, but the higher skills, would have been English workers who came over and then
0: settled in Ireland. John, you've studied Cork City. Can we say that there's sectarian and communal divisions? Because although there's a massive vote for Sinn Féin in 1918, there's also a pretty substantial unionist vote.
3: The class and sectarian element going on, in the First World War, you really see it pretty clearly, you know YMCA hut coffee for troops going to the trains women making bandages for guys at the front people take entertaining troops that's predominantly done by the
1: Certainly there were antagonisms. I think, I think the antagonisms were based on the fact that Britain attempted to rule Ireland through religion. And also I think it's important to recognise that anti-Catholicism played a role in British society, particularly in the 19th century and during the early early part of the 20th century, and imported that into Irish Protestantism during the 19th century and provided resources under the futile idea that they could transform disloyal Irish Catholics into loyal Protestants. It was a fantastically resourced movement, an organised movement, and a lot of the resources came essentially from Britain
2: was a well-established practice by the Irish church missions in Dublin. The Irish church missions were set up during the famine, proselytized, basically, during the famine. And it had very little success, really, in rural Ireland, but it did have success in Dublin, and it was still very active at the time of lockout. And Basically, what would happen is quite a lot of Dublin working-class women would give one of their children to the Irish church missions to go into an orphanage where they'd be well-looked after, and in return, the mother would get money, usually quite significant amount of money, as much as 10 shillings a week in many cases, plus food and and fuel, uh, which would help to look after their other children. Um, St. Vincent de Paul campaigned vigorously against this, but the problem Vincent de Paul had was that uh, there were relatively few poor Protestants, so the Irish church missions had a lot more money to spend bribing poor Catholics to become Protestants than Vincent de Paul had to get them back again by counter-bribes. The children were very much used as weapons in this
0: dispute. What about the idea that the Catholics were the real people of Ireland, that the Protestants were in some way of a foreign presence?
1: Would you go along with that as being an important strain of nationalist thinking? I don't think that was a part of nationalist thinking at all. I think I may be ruffling a few feathers and saying that. But I also think to bear in mind that there were different strains of opinion within the nationalist constituency. I think it's been lost from the discussion that the Fenians, for instance, were extremely anti-clerical. That The Republican tradition in the 19th century re- retained a very strong Protestant element. And the non-sectarian strain of thought within the Fenian tradition, our Republican tradition, was there right through the 19th century and existed right up to the Revolutionary period. The, the more Catholic element was something that was pursued through the Irish Parliamentary Party. And you did have a concept of what were called Home Rule Loyalists. Uh, So the idea of uh, home was regarded as, uh, as part of a fealty or loyalty to Britain and to the British Empire. I think it's too glib a shorthand to suggest that there was a feeling that Protestants weren't really Irish. I think there were too many Protestants who felt themselves to be Irish and who established their Irishness through support for Irish independence. I don't think that the Republican tradition which... Came together in 1916 and were just part of a greater movement of cultural nationalism, political movements and so on. I don't think that had the idea of pursuing a Catholic ideal movement. And one of the reasons we can point to that is because you had people involved like Robert Barton, the Minister for Agriculture, and agriculture is certainly one of the most important aspects of the movement in terms of distribution of land and more people getting land, and they would tend to be more Catholics. People like Lionel Smith Gordon being in charge of the land bank. Erskine Childers being in charge of publicity. People like Ernest Blythe being involved. Protestants being also members of the IRA. So. Not everybody expresses, would have expressed themselves in a purely non-sectarian manner. Some people might have seen uh, the idea that Catholics are getting their fair shake. But even if they did, that would not necessarily be a sectarian idea, since the, the base of British rule was to deny Catholics' rights for such a long period of time.
0: Fergal McGarry, the relationship between Irish nationalism and Catholicism, can we say that Irish nationalism is a Catholic communal ideology or is that too simple?
4: violence. Um,
0: tradition. Should we see this as anti-Protestant or is that again too simple?
4: Well I think that might be putting it too strongly. I I think what happened in the late 19th and early 20th century is you get the rise of the Irish Ireland movement and you get a much stronger sense of the Irish people as being a Gaelic people and also of course you have a long tradition of nationalism being seen as something that... in the minds of many ordinary people that there's a link between being Irish and being Catholic are are strengthened. And I suppose what's unusual for 1916 is that those ideas are held by many people who would consider themselves Republicans. Whereas before 1916, someone who described themselves as a Republican would have a much stronger sense uh, that this involved accepting Irish Protestants as part of the Irish nation. So I think what you get sort of in the the war of independence period is a kind of an inconsistent and an way of thinking about Irish Protestants. So sometimes they're thought of as, as Republicans would say, as part of the Irish nation, you know, maybe sort of a, kind of a false consciousness, they don't realize that they in fact belong to the Irish nation. But other times, and you can have this in the same individual, a kind of a sense that Irish Protestants really be part of Britain, and if they don't want to be part of the Irish nation, then maybe they should go back to Britain. And you'll find even figures, you know, quite complex and thoughtful figures like De Valera are, are capable of this.
0: Mm-hmm. And just to complicate things even further, there are also Protestant Republicans. Yeah, uh, yes, there
4: is. And again, what you tend to find is that kind of at the higher level of the Republican movement, particularly within Fein, you tend to have, Protestants are small, very small proportion... As, as a non-sectarian force, but but the reality on the ground tends to be that the IRA and Sinn Féin attract support along communal lines, that is Catholics tend to support the Republican movement and Protestants tend to support the Unionist or Loyalist forces.
0: Do you think, given that there's several different factions of Nationalists and Unionists, it's too simple to speak about a uh, Catholic versus Protestant conflict?
3: not only uh, patriotic unionist guys like Tivy, who, uh, who ran the court constitution Richard Peacock who was assassinated down in, in West Cork Sir John Harley Scott who was a coal merchant very vocal
0: For the IRA fighters on the ground, what do you think the republic which they fought for meant to them? I